Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to discover all of our previous episodes. You can also follow us on Twitter at irish underscore tech news and on Facebook at facebook.com slash irish tech news. Thanks and enjoy the listening. Today's Irish Tech News Podcast is presented by the tech doctor, Ronan Leonard, and you can follow me on Twitter at TECDR. Hi, welcome to today's Art Techniques Podcast. Today I'm talking with Peter Murphy from Ziggy Tech. How are you doing, Peter? Good morning. How are you doing, Roland? Great, thanks. Now, before we start, tell me a bit about your background and then what Ziggy Tech does. Okay, so the, my background is I, I did engineering in college. Um, I did, when I graduated, I joined ESB, um, the State Utility for Electricity. And I spent 29 years working in ESB. A big organization, so it covered a lot of different roles and started off obviously as an engineer. When in my earlier part of my career, I was heavily involved in air quality measurement and emissions measurement from all the power stations ESP have. And later in my career, I was heavily involved in energy trading, so I was at the head of energy trading and I managed the purchase and trading of coal, gas, oil, electricity, carbon very heavily involved in the new trends in sustainability. I was involved in wind farms, wind farm financing, wind farm PPAs. So I, very, very broad role. And um, I came to a juncture in my career a number of three years ago where I said, okay, I want to move on to something different. And I decided to leave ESB and set up my own business. And I called that business Zigitech. Um we're looking for a name, and we're myself, and my co-founder. We're both uh, David Bowie fans, so we said, "Yeah, sure." There's better names, so we said we'd come up with Ziggy Tech, and we went for that, and that's how Ziggy Tech was formed. And what does Ziggy Tech do? So Ziggy Tech, our challenge um, in the world today, um, the need to push forward on the sustainability is a huge drive. Okay, um, our t- clients are own multitudes of large commercial buildings, offices, Mm -hmm. and retail units. And they have a fiduciary duty to understand and report on the total energy consumption in all their buildings, okay? So even though um, they might own a building and there'll be 10 tenants in it, and the 10 tenants pay their own electricity bills, they pay their own water bills, they pay their own gas bills, As landlord, I need to understand um, how much has been consumed in that building. Because me as a landlord, I'm the only person that can actually influence really how that building consumes electricity. Because I'm the man that can put in better air conditioning, I can insulate the the, the building better, etc., etc. So our job was we provide a data as a service to these clients and we get their energy data out of their buildings and into the cloud. And that's quite transformational. Yes, so to me, it's like you're getting their BR rating, in a way. It's a bit like getting their BR rating, but it's the, it's the very starting point. Of yeah. They're first of all understanding how much energy their buildings are consuming. And believe it or not, that's quite a difficult task. Um, when you have a large portfolio of 100 buildings, and in each building, 10 clients trying to work out well, how much energy has been used across all of those is a very, very difficult task. And heretofore, it has been a very paper-based task. It would involve 
taking up the phone and ringing each client individually every month and asking them for their electricity bill. And as you can see, that that's not manageable. Yeah. And I guess you're trying to make, make these companies who, or, or office buildings to change their, uh, their ways and become more eco-friendly. Absolutely. All these large multinationals that own buildings have an increasing burden of reporting on sustainability. Now, once they're of a certain size, they have to report on not just how much profit they made last year, they also have to report on how many tons of CO2 their buildings pumped out. Yeah. And that, that's quite a gargantuan task for them to do. And obviously, the minute you start reporting on how much CO2 your buildings are producing, um, the next step is to start um, reducing that year on year. In the same way as these, these financially, they want to increase their profits year and year. Um, there is a huge drive on these companies to reduce their consumption year on year. And like what, what's quite heartening from a sustainability point of view, this drive is coming from the investors. It's coming from the very top, the pension funds that yeah. invest in commercial property are saying we're only investing in that commercial property if you're taking measurable steps to actually um, reduce your energy consumption. And in theory, you could say if somebody is, say a pension fund invests in a building and they got tenants there, if those tenants have been really active in trying to reduce carbon footprints, they might be told by the landlords, if you do this a year, we will, we will give you a discount on your, on your rent. Maybe. Um, they might, they might, but I, I, a lot of the times they'll say, well, if you let us come in, if we do all of this, actually, um, we'll invest in it and you as a tenant will, will save money, you know. Yeah. Uh, I suppose one thing from their perspective is the more sustainable their building is, as in the higher BER rating. Yeah. Uh, you described the BER rating is for domestic businesses, yeah. but the higher the BER rating is, the more attractive it is to high-end premium tenants. And certain tenants, corporate, large corporate multinational tenants will come in and say, we aren't buying a building unless it's A-rated or above, okay? Yeah. And that's their threshold. We're not interested in renting a building that is below a certain rating. So that's what's driving the market. Yeah. Oops. And you know, that, that's heartening to see that the purchasers and the investors are saying, well, yeah, we want our building energy rating up and up and up. Yeah, when you were saying, and yeah, ultimately it does transfer into probably higher yields. Yeah, and when you were saying earlier about that the uh, landowners are going to improve the business, if they make an improvement to make sure it's more energy efficient, the person who's renting is going to be paying less in energy charges, which is good. Yes, and um, which makes the building more valuable because yeah. you know it's a bit like buying a more fuel efficient car. Yeah, you probably pay a little bit more money to have a more fuel efficient car because you, your ongoing maintenance costs, your running costs are lower. Yeah, so in the long term, when I mentioned earlier about saving rent, I'm always was thinking of maybe not rent yeah. as such, but if they're, if they're saving money in other ways in, in, in the building. Exactly. The quids in. Exactly. Because I know that yeah, yeah. saving rent is probably not going to be a, a thing that can happen, but if you're told, oh, yeah, if you uh, achieve such a rating, you're going to save this much amount of money a year. That's a win-win. Similar, to the same thing, kind of. Anyway, so tell me a bit so more. We were, so I go on. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I said so that. That's where we started off business, and that's the business we're still doing this at the moment. And um, we've expanded out into the UK and Europe, 
because our clients have, you know, some of their head offices will be in Dublin, but they have a portfolio right across the, right across Europe, and they need the data from their buildings in Italy, Spain, Germany, France, Netherlands, and they're all countries we operate in at the moment. Um, and they want to bring all that data from all those buildings into one portal so they can look at it and say, that's my portfolio, and I know the energy and water consumption in every single building. I have it online, and I can report on it. That, that's the core product. But I suppose other things come to fore, and um, a number of years ago, some of our clients saying, well, we need to actually measure the air quality in the building because we need to. We have a requirement to report on the air quality. Yeah. So we've been heavily involved in doing air quality measurement for clients for the last two years, okay? Yeah. Um, honestly speaking, I think there was primarily focused on, we, but we need to actually get this data and report on it, yeah. okay? And just say, we, say we're monitoring the data. But, you know, life has just changed so dramatically in the last few months because air quality all of a sudden is um, monumentally important in the COVID era we find ourselves in, yeah. okay? So last September, um, I turned around here and locally went to a number of local schools, um, um, actually schools that my kids were in, my co-founder kids were in, they're local schools, and said, guys, we, you have a problem with air quality in schools. Um, we know air quality um, and bad air quality is key to the transmission of COVID-19. Um, why don't we help you out here? So we did a few prototypes for schools, you know, pro bono. And uh, we installed our air quality monitors and we installed a sing simple tablet device um, beside the teacher's desk. And it was a simple traffic light system to say the air quality is good or the air quality isn't great or the air quality is very bad. Yeah. And that was the instruction um, for kind of the teacher to say if it was bad, oh, quick, I need to open the windows. But interestingly enough, it was the instruction for the, the kids to say, teacher, miss, miss, we're actually freezing in here. The traffic light system is green. We can start closing some of these windows. Yeah, It was enormously successful. The feedback from the schools was so positive. They absolutely loved it. Um, and, you know, one of the, some of the really anecdotal information that came back was um, one of the experiences they had up to Christmas last year when I spoke to one of the principals was she said the sick leave amongst teachers and pupils is at an all-time low it's dramatically reduced and the reason it's dramatically reduced is because they're maintaining good air quality and the social distancing and the hand washing yeah. But there has been a monumental change in disease. So all the colds and flus, apart from COVID, all the colds and flus haven't happened and haven't happened in the school environment. And that's an incredible test. And that shows us that if we manage um, hygiene and air quality in particular, we can dramatically reduce all transmission of um, infection, not just COVID-19. Yeah. Um, and that's what got us straight on to dealing with large corporates. Now, large corporates, the vast majority of them have empty buildings at the moment. I can see that on our, on our electricity usage. Um, but in a modern office block, 40% of energy is consumed in air quality, in air management. Yeah. Are you aware of that? No. It's the biggest, it's, it's absolutely enormous. Air, heating and air quality, 
40% of the energy is consumed in that. Yeah. It's a huge consumer. That, driving all those fines, dri- driving all those air conditioning units. And, um, it, you know, so, we, we, so customers are coming to us and saying, we're reopening our buildings. We need to now prove to our staff that we're managing the air quality properly, that there's enough fresh air in this building. And Ronan, you and I know, are well familiar with this concept of sick building. Mm-hmm. And everyone will tell you, you know, you know, I go, whenever I've worked in that building, I had colds every other week. Yeah. And the reason they had that was because the filtration system was either crap, which meant they were bringing in particulates, which if you have particulates in the air, not alone are they themselves dangerous from yeah. a cancer point of view, they are also um, <clears throat> a conduit of transferring virus. Yeah. Or else you don't have enough fresh air in the building. And if you don't have enough fresh air in the building, the virus load builds up and you have a problem. And apart from the fact that you and I might sit in a meeting room and say, geez, this is terrible, it's very stuffy, it's pretty hard to tell whether the air quality is good or bad, except, you know, you're getting sick whenever you work in that building. Yeah. So all of a sudden we have, our phones are starting to ring since January going, Okay, we're trying to open up. We're getting ready to open up um, in Q2 this year, but we're really worried about the air quality. So what people are ordering is us to go in and monitor the air quality right throughout their building and push that through to the TVs in the open areas, push it through to the iPads outside of the meeting room booking. So everyone can have the confidence that the air quality has been properly managed. What about working that in factories and make food, food factories? Could it work there as well? It's absolutely, and I have an inquiries in from that particular area to prove that. So we, we clearly saw that um, the problem with the meat factories last summer, it, it, it came about last summer. The thing with meat factories is you have to keep the air cold. Yeah. So in the winter time, you can get loads of fresh air into a meat factory and it doesn't cost much money because the outside air is cold. The problem is in the summertime, yeah. you need you have to cool that air. So they never broke proper ventilation during the summer. Hence, we got this huge spike uh, in problems in meat factories uh, last summer. So yes, absolutely. And we have an inquiry in, it's not a meat factory, but it's a food process. Yeah, because there's a factory, just three factories at the moment I know of, one uh, that have got problems again with COVID. And I'm thinking, if what your system is it can do what it does, and especially in this time of year, when it's colder weather, if if it was in these factories, there'd be less chance of, of that happening again. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. So, so people understand if you want a bit of the science. Uh, if you walk outside today, the concentration of carbon dioxide in the air is about four hundred. Yeah. Okay, that's what the normal concentration outside. If you're inside and you and me inside in a building breathing, we breathe out CO two. So naturally, the concentration of CO two goes up. Yeah. Um, what we see is that the recommended guidelines is that you you, know, you keep that below about a thousand. Mm-hmm. Definitely keep it below yeah. a thousand. Ideally, you keep it down around 700, 600. That's where you want to keep it. A good, fresh building. Now, I know, I can see the data, certain buildings and the schools are in, they'd start spiking at 1500, yeah. 2000, 2500. Like that's, that's really bad air quality. There's, there's a severe problem in it, okay? Yeah. 
there's not proper ventilation. The minute you have that, the virus load builds up and you have the perfect right environment for the transmission of virus. And for me, if you're in a school that's based on old prefabs, that's even worse. But basically, there's two types of, the broadly speaking, two types of buildings in life. One's a mechanical ventilation where you can't open the windows, yeah. a modern office block. And then everything else, which doesn't really have mechanical ventilation. They might have heaters in the corner or, or a little cooling unit, but your ventilation is open the windows. Yeah. The vast majority of schools have open windows. You know, that, that's the way schools are built. An awful lot of nursing homes, um, it's based on opening the windows. They won't have mechanical ventilation. Yeah. So um, we, we, we spoke. So we had great success with schools insofar as they love this. Huge amount of inquiries, but schools don't have money. The yeah. department have the money. Schools don't have that discretionary spend. So to date, we haven't been successful in expanding our business into the educational sector because the, the, the money isn't there centrally for it. Surely, Notwithstanding the demand for it, it's huge. Yeah, but surely, if you, if you want schools to be open again, the government should be putting the money into this. And what you're offering technology-wise is a way of getting schools open again more safely and more securely as well. Yes, it, absolutely. Absolutely. But it, you're into the realms of politics there and trying to get people to, to realise that. And bear in mind, people at the moment are very short-term focused. People at the moment say there's a vaccine on the way it is the silver bullet. We'll be out the gap and we'll all be off to the Canaries in June. Yeah. Okay? That's where it is. Now, I think that dream is starting to fall apart in the last week or so. Yeah. But it's absolutely... We, we will be optimistic and the, the vaccines will hugely help things. But next winter, we have a lesser version of the problem that we're currently having. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. We have, there, there will be more variants, there'll be strains, there'll be this, that and the other. I don't think we'll be able to all walk into a pub, a jam pub next Christmas and no. hug and kiss each other. And, you know, it, it's, it'll be, now I, I hope that we'll all be able to go out to pubs and restaurants and enjoy ourselves, but it won't be quite the same way as it has been before. Yeah. And air quality will be the centre of that. Um, it'll be absolutely the centre that going forward, I, the starting point would be large corporates who have good um, staff wellness programmes, but they'll first of all adopt the thing that we monitor air quality and we take it seriously. And that'll expand out right to, through to the schools yeah. and to the restaurant sector. In the same way as you wouldn't go to a restaurant with a dirty toilet, now you won't go to a restaurant with a dirty air quality. Yeah, and earlier you mentioned about going to Canaries in June. I'd be, th I'd be asking myself, June which year? But we don't know where, when exactly. it's going to be. And it's the kind of thing is that anything that we can do to help, because I am the opinion that uh, I think that COVID is airborne. And when they were saying it was two meters, uh, it could travel. And I'm thinking, with new variants, it's more than two meters. It's five, ten meters. No one fully knows yet. But anything we can do to make sure they maintain the good air quality, lessen the chance of it being spread. Well, but there's loads of studies done. Um, it, it's early in the pandemic, but there's loads of studies. Like the most famous one was to do the, with that choir early on in the pandemic, the choir in Washington, where. And an enormous amount of them got COVID. Several of them died. And that was all. They were inside in an enclosed space, all singing and without adequate ventilation. 
And that's a, a super spreader event is all to do with indoor spaces with inadequate ventilation. I'd also say, if you look, at this, the, you look at the White House, when Trump had events there, how many people there got COVID? Even if some were, were outdoor, in, 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 outdoors in the, in, the, in the garden in the White House, they still got COVID. And you got to wonder they did what, because they weren't they weren't maintaining social distance. Yeah, and also on top you of know. that, people you you get say, well, there's proof because they were an outdoor event, and that's proof of airborne. So if you yeah, can, so what we get with is you know you, you read in the paper about places in the west of Ireland, um, Belmullet, where the, yeah they had super spreader events in hotels. That's you know when you have five hundred people in a the room, they're not all touching each other. The, the conduit for that is airborne, yeah. inadequate ventilation and in airborne transmission. There, there's a huge, there's a wealth of proof that that's what's happening. And the way, part of the way to tackle it is to make sure you maintain your air quality. And the truth about air quality in commercial buildings at the moment is you would be horrified to see how bad some buildings are. I was yeah. talking to you know, one of the leading air conditioning experts and he says you know whenever he travels he'll only stay in the hotel that has uh, windows that he can open and yeah. has no air conditioning because he's seen too many air conditioning ducts now not all of them are bad but no. he said he's seen some horrific stuff and um, they're they're the perfect breeding ground for virus if yeah. not maintained I've properly. I've seen that in the past like uh, last year we had all these cruise ships that had uh, there were uh, a pretty dish for, for, for COVID a lot of that was they were saying well they were in their rooms Isolated and they couldn't have caught it, but they caught it because air conditioning was was a main factor. They're spreading through that, and that scares me. So I was talking to a client there recently who <laughs> is adopting this for their office here in Dublin, um, and they they're going to put air quality measurement in every single room in their building. You know, it's a big open plan, yeah. but there'll be meeting rooms and breakout rooms because the big risk risk areas where you have a meeting room. And all of a sudden, you pile in 20 people into that meeting room for an intense two-hour meeting. And the air conditioning isn't designed around that. Um, but she's putting the, that in, and she's going to display that on every tablet, on every phone, to every staff member that needs to see it. And not alone do they see the live data, they, see, they can look at, well, what's the air quality been like for the last three hours? What's it been like for the last year? The other thing she has is she'll have a, a full alarm management system where she'll get an alarm to say, uh, well, I won't say her name, uh, hey, Mary, do you realise something went wrong in the canteen yesterday at one o'clock? The air quality went haywire. Yeah. And she needs, she'll investigate that and say, oh, the reason is too many people are piling in there at one o'clock. I need to put control measures in there because I need to and stop people going in. So it's a brilliant way of managing it. It's a brilliant way of managing it. I have to commend her for doing it. Yeah, and also as well, I'm thinking of that right now, if you're going in an airplane, another enclosed space, how do you make sure that that's going to be, going to be safe? Yeah, my, my understanding, and I've read an awful lot about it, is there's a fair amount of air exchange in airplanes. And crucially, people aren't talking in airplanes too much, yeah. so they're not projecting the virus. The, the, the dangerous places are where you have a lot of talking, which might be in meeting rooms. It might certainly will be in canteens and kitchens and things like that, where you have a lot of talking and you have inadequate ventilation. So actually, airplanes, I'm not too sure they mightn't be as bad as we fear. Yeah. I think a crowded bus isn't going to be great. 
yeah. I think a crowded bus is going to be quite bad because they don't have any mechanical ventilation yeah. and they can be so um, I but buses should definitely be monitoring it yeah. if they go back to 100% capacity yeah, if and we also, ever see that I'm thinking with office space I'm thinking in the future where you had an office space and it might say in a meeting room you could fit 20 I would now you might say only 10 can fit in that room they'll have to de- decrease the amount of people in the rooms to maintain their quality as well but, okay, Ronan, but I'd say to you that that's a completely arbitrary rule that is not based on science. Yeah. I'd say to you, what you need to do is measure the air quality in it. Because some meeting rooms won't be bad and they'll be able to accommodate the 20 people. Yeah. And some might be appalling and you can only accommodate five. So I'd say to you, back to you, Ronan, you need to look at the science. An arbitrary rule of five is no good, uh, of 10, sorry to be, yeah. <laughs> you need to look at the science and measure it and Hey, if you find you have a problem, either only let the number of people in, work out what's the safe level, or ring up your M&E contractor and yeah. get the air conditioning sorted out. You know? Yeah. Um, a lot of people look up on the wall, and you know the, these things, fans that push out cold air? Yeah. And it's called air conditioning. Yeah. But it's actually an air cooler. There's no yeah. fresh air coming in from that. Yeah. It's just pumping out cold air. And uh, they mistake that for... That does nothing to prevent the spread of virus. You, you need fresh air coming in. And fresh air is a combination of pulling it in from outside and filtering it properly so you're not pulling in all the diesel fumes. Yeah, that's true. And, and I guess also people have got to realise now that it's money well spent. Yeah. And there's a wealth of very good engineering firms out there that do very good air conditioning and try to maintain it. Um, that's not a business I'm in. But... Uh, we're in the business of monitoring how well it's been maintained and how good it is and how adequate it is. Yeah, because for me, I'm, I'm and the looking results right, aren't always pretty. Yeah, because I'm looking right now in the long term. Uh, right now, people are thinking it's money we don't want to spend, but then in the long term, as you said earlier, when you spend this money, you're saving money in the long term because there's, first of all, you're less energy charges and also less people off sick as well. Um. Absolutely. So the ROI is partially on, um, I, well, there's a, a lot more subtle ones on like productivity. Yeah. There's loads of studies. So that if you have proper air quality, productivity goes up. Sure, we all know sitting in a stuffy room, it, you just fall asleep. Productivity yeah. just goes off a cliff. Like uh, interestingly enough, in France, a number of years ago, 2015, they passed legislation to require air quality monitors in every single educational facility in, in, in the country. So you have to continuously monitor air quality in every school, in every high school, in every university. I, I think it's um, German, yeah. Germany have brought that in as well. Um, so they, like, th- there's no, um, this isn't, this isn't brand new science. It's been known for yeah. years. I'm thinking, I think it's the pandemic is highlighted. Yeah. I'm thinking in the future when you're, when you're applying for a job somewhere and you get all these surveys that say this could be the best place to work for because the staff are all friendly and everything else. I think in the future it'll also be checking to see how good is the air quality. Yeah. So yeah. if I'm working there, yeah. I don't think working there, I found to work in business and, and it says we're one of the top companies in the world to work for because we're so friendly, we're so this, we're so that. And then you look back and you look at that and see air quality isn't that great. That's going to be a factor of people working there as well. Sure, it, it's like read all the press at the moment. It, it's high on the agenda of everything. Now, there are plenty of standards out there saying 
about air quality and certification and that. So it's not brand new. It's just people are suddenly adopting it rapidly. There, there is a big challenge for people with property. I'm talking about tenants in the first instance, yeah. as how they're going to get the staff back into the building safely. You know, and there's you're straight down to a duty of care. Um, a lawyer has a duty of care to provide a safe environment. And heretofore, air quality, you know, I don't think would have been that high on the agenda. You know, obviously making sure that the floor area was safe, that you wouldn't slip and fall over yeah. and trip is a very is one aspect of a very important thing. Having proper fire fire extinguishers in every place is another aspect of it. But air would never have featured too high on the yeah. agenda up to 2020, uh, all of a sudden it's been catapulted right up there to the top. Um, people get it, and there will be a cohort of people that will say, I'm not going near that building unless I know it's safe. Well, like 60 years ago, if you were working in certain factories, the the uh, noise quality, the, the, the sound was so loud, you could, you could get ear problems to hearing. And suddenly now yeah. you get everyone walking in wearing earplugs, different things, and the, and the machines have now got a, the ability to have the there's the sound lesson down, and that's no standard practice. So if you're going to factor, yes. you get that. I can see in 30 years' time, people will look back at us going, they did a better quality, like we do now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of, yeah. Yeah. kind of right now, it's scary. And then when you look back on that, they're, they're say, so that's how they spread COVID. That's how people got sick. That's how they didn't, yeah. because they didn't have the proper quality in place to make sure this couldn't happen. Yeah, I like. I'd like. I'd hope to think that people will continue to be um, progressive in this and leading the way, uh, addressing it up front, yeah. rather than waiting to the the string of litigation driving, forcing people down the thing. Actually, we have to start providing earmuffs because there's too many people suing us for ear damage. You know, yeah. they proactively take the stand now. Now that it's really obvious, we, we've loads of examples. Now that it's really obvious that air quality is leading to health problems in buildings. Let's start taking the action. Yeah, because also, if you think about it, for example, schools, go back to schools, if they have proper air quality in place, you won't hear moaning about schools can't open again because they can if it's done safely. And teachers always want a safe environment. The problem is they're not given that. But if you can help them get a safer environment, there's less chance of, of uh, them being closed long term. Absolutely. And we're going to have this problem. Well, let's hope we get something open before the end of this term. But next winter is there. And next winter, you know, we're going to have a variant of this problem. Yeah. All it takes is some other strain of this virus to come out that the, the vi- that we have to roll out a whole new vaccine. Yeah. So a load of people will have the new vaccine. Hopefully by next September, people will largely be immune yeah. to the current strain. But there's probably a whole new wave of stuff to be rolled out again next year. Yeah, and so for me, it, what, it's ongoing. Yeah. Hope. And for me, what's scary is right now, people are, are still claiming there's going to be Leamster exams this year. I know for a fact that probably won't happen. So why don't you just go ahead and, and, and prepare, basically, for this year, we're going to have to just more overall marketing of, of what they've done so far. And next year, prepare for a scenario where we can make sure that they can go ahead by bringing in air quality control systems. Because I've got to prepare long term, and, and and the problem is we don't know what we're doing, and uh, it's kind of scary that you look around the world, each, every country, lucky in the world, are all making similar mistakes because they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And yes, 
anything that you are, any technology that you guys offer, or other people offer, can help, will help, is a bonus. They should be looking at that. At least, yeah, at least yeah, I can say, well, we, we tried doing this, it worked or didn't work. And what you're doing, high chance, probably it is going to work. So what have they got to lose? Absolutely what we're doing works. It absolutely works. And, you know, in a modern office block, it alerts people to problem gatherings. It alerts people to problems with the, the, the physical air conditioning infrastructure. Which, you know, that can all easily be adapted. Yeah. Uh, you know, you go in, you send in the engineers and you fix it and you sort the problem. Um, in, in lower quality buildings like schools and residential homes and all that, that's, that's not, it, it is managed by people having live alerts to say, lads, you know, you need to take action by opening the windows and conversely, you need to close the windows. Um, interesting, we've been in the sustainability for, game for years um, and we started with energy and we've, as the conversation has gone on, we've migrated into air quality as well as energy. But do you know what's happening in buildings at the moment? They've been told to fully open. They, they often recirculate air. You yeah. hear the idea of recirculate or let in some fresh air. So all the buildings now are told to let in max fresh air. What that means in the winter time is you have to pull in cold air and heat it and take out hot air. Yeah. Uh, and they're potentially doing that totally over the top at the moment. So the energy bills have skyrocketed now. They've yeah. skyrocketed um, for air, air quality because they're doing this. And it, so it's actually hitting sustainability as well. Ultimately, you want to optimize it. Yeah. You, um, and, and that's possible. Engineers are able to do this. Yeah. So on the nose, is there anything else you want to add to the podcast or you think you've actually covered a lot? I think I've covered a lot. Yeah. Um, as you can see, I'm quite exercised by the whole COVID-19 and the need for better air quality. I just think it, it's the big burning issue of our time now. Um, and we need to get it right. Like I'd love to see, I'd love to see a situation where basically you... You, in the same way as heretofore, you, you know, I, I have to use the analogy with public toilets. Yeah. You know, you, you want to go into uh, a restaurant or a bar and all that, and you go into the public toilets and you like to see the record that the place has been cleaned and all of that. In the same way, I think going forward, I will want to go into any building, see that, yeah, yeah, these guys actually understand what air quality is and they're taking actions to measure it and control it. Yeah. Otherwise, I feel I'm going into a more vulnerable thing and say, well, why would I need to do that? Why can't I go to someone that actually takes it seriously? In the same way as they currently take providing yeah. clean toilets and washing their hands seriously, air quality, I'd like to treat it the same. Remember Lake Gay Byrne used to say when he went to a restaurant or a pub to get some food, <clears throat> first thing he goes into, in, into toilets. So if they can't maintain that, then I'm not eating here. I'm going somewhere else. <laughs> Exactly. If they can't maintain that, what do you think they're doing with the food behind the door, you know? Yeah, and, you, uh, and then and, you get that old wife's tale where somebody was in there, and say, for example, you, you complain the food food wasn't what you, what you ordered for. And then yeah. you don't know, some behind the counter is going out and spitting the food and giving it back out to you. And same with their quality. Yeah, yeah. How do you know the, the area you're getting isn't recycled there? That's been there for, like, hours. 
Yeah, and, and you're going to some of the place. Look, here, we all know sick building syndrome. There's nothing new about that. It's no. been around for years, you know. Yeah, it's been around for years, and now's the time to tackle it. Yeah. So on that note, Peter, I'll say thanks for a great informative chat. Good luck in the future, and hopefully, somebody sees signs and starts to incorporate what you're trying to provide into the schools, so we can have a, they can we can get the kids back back to living a normalish life, and have, put less stress on on, on home life because. If you're trying to homeschool and working from home as well, it's not, not a great place to be. I know. No. Look here. Thank you very much, Ronan. No problem, Peter. Have you a good one. You take care. Thanks. Bye. Okay. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. You can sign up for more via our email digest, which does a weekly summary of all our podcasts, or you can follow us on your preferred podcasting platform of choice, or follow us on Twitter, Irish underscore Tech News, or Facebook, or LinkedIn, or the, or the website irishtechnews.ie. Uh, We will bring you more soon, and thanks for listening.